Hey, we're relation. And this is Concerts That Made Us. Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. episode i'm joined by Stephen, matt and vincent from relation we chat about their latest release fyi the history of the band concert experiences and much much more so without further ado let's get on with the show
Hey guys, you're very welcome to concerts that made us. Hey guys, how are you? How's it going? Good, good. Uh, we opened the show with your track FYI, which released on the 6th of January. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, actually, um, this is Vincent. Um, the track was kind of born organically. We usually write in a specific way. And this one we didn't. I usually come in with a lyrical concept, lyrics written out. And then we'll kind of create a musical piece uh, and kind of tie it in. But this one, we had a musical piece. Steve <coughs> wrote a wrote a great uh, guitar line, and and we just kind of built it from there. Um, it was uh, really organic, and the first time we kind of done it that way, and it, it was kind of really cool. Yeah, we have a kind of like a different approach when it comes to writing because. Um... For the most part, I have like our studio setup is in my home because we have a home studio setup. So I'll get a rough draft going of the riff, maybe a little bit of drum programming just so everybody catches the vibe of where the song could go. And then um, once we kind of just learn it and rehearse it, we get we come right back and then we just start actually tracking. And it kind of makes the songwriting a lot more streamlined and a lot quicker for us because we have like a general blueprint of where the song can go. The first time it's never final, but like it's like the rough draft, and then we just start embellishing more and more. Uh, we start adding vocals, and we just tweak stuff a lot too along the way. <laughs> so like, yeah, we spend a lot of time like just finalizing everything. But um, for the most part, it starts with an actual like somewhat already kind of mixed recording, and then we just start finessing it along the way. Ah, and is this track uh, going to be part of an album, or is it a standalone track? It's part of our EP, FYI, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's part of What Lies Beneath, which mm-hmm. we released in 21. Yeah, we're very excited. Yeah, it, it, it did. It kind of came, as, as a lot of our stuff does, come together pretty quickly, uh, conceptually. So from a lyrical standpoint, we kind of wrote it as we went along, which for me, I'm not the, that's not the most comfortable thing, but it was, it was a real good uh, experience because I usually like to know what I'm gonna, going to say and make sure everything connects well. We kind of just built it as a one. Yeah. Along, and it caused me a hell of a lot of anxiety. <laughs> nah, <laughs> Vince writes the lyrics and, you know, I, I, I essentially sing them because I can't write to save my life. But um, we um like I pretty much piggyback of what he's writing about because that kind of triggers a little bit of inspiration of where the song could go based on the lyrical content. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how we do things. Ah, I see. I see. And what was the, what has the reaction been from fans? I know it's only out barely a month, but you surely have noticed. Oh shoot. It's been, it's been pretty good. It's been pretty well received, even from like close friends, um, family members. Uh, we have somewhat of a following, a decent following, and it's getting decent plays on our Spotify. So it's, it's definitely moving around and I'm glad cause it's a, it's a song we're passionate about and it's been received really, really well. Ah, good, good. Now you guys have a pretty unique approach to your songs and to your lyrics. You focus on real world problems and concerns. Where does this come from? Oh, I just, uh, from my perspective, I think in terms of, you know, uh, just life experience and trying to, you know, navigate the trials and tribulations of relationship, not only with other people, but with yourself as you grow um, and as you see uh, your, how your experience kind of molds where you go and your, your past, you know, childhood traumas and, and issues that have been transpiring in your life and just try to get a, a good idea of relatability with that. I know that a lot of us, we're kind of all connected. We're all, we're all one. So I know that we all kind of go through the same thing. So for me, I just feel in, in line of when I write something, I feel like if it resonates with me, it helps me. I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, maybe can help some other people out there. So Absolutely. Uh, we, we really focus on a lot of kind of things that are just universal. Uh, and we try to, you know, relate as best we can. That's the name relation. <laughs> that's the punchline yeah <laughs> i was just going to say when you're writing songs like that and must make it easier to kind of find new fans new followers you know because everybody can relate to the the issues in your lyrics yeah um we it's really great and and it's to see the impact when somebody will will comment to us or or reach out to us and say, hey, this is this is my life, or this is this happened to me, or you know, I experienced this. And there's nothing better as an artist. That's the greatest compliment you can have is like, it reached somebody else. 
uh, at least in my my humble opinion. Mm-hmm. We've gotten uh, messages even in our inboxes uh, with people mentioning that how it actually helps them and how um, especially specifically with the it was Isabella, right? Yeah, it was one of our song Isabella. Um, somebody hit us on our on inbox talking about um, how it kind of like how the music and how the lyrics kind of like were relatable to stuff that they were going through. So that's amazing to us. Yeah, I always say that's um, that's worth more than you know fame and fortune is oh, when you can question. touch someone like that with your music. Yeah, no question. And in fact, FYI, I kind of wrote it from the perspective of <clears throat> this is just my perspective of uh, the idea that there is a um, illusionary life where people present online or you know outwardly uh, versus the reality of really what they what they are living and the complete and utter dichotomy of the two. So um, we, we've just put out a video for this too, and it kind of highlights that. And um, so we know that's really because we know plenty of people that you see something online, you're like, well, I know you and that ain't true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so kind of that's, that's kind of what we were going yeah. for. I actually find that fascinating because I've said it on the podcast before, you know, the the whole thing with social media, it's actually so negative and it'd almost be better if it wasn't in our lives. Yeah, it really creates a huge narcissistic streak in people, you know, where they, you know, need the attention, they need the the adulation. Yeah. So that's where the that's where the uh, inauthenticity and fraudulence comes in. So then that kind of talks about it, you know, because you can get sucked into just whatever your life looks like online versus really what it is. Mm-hmm. I see it as a 50-50 thing because social media is could very well be one of the best things to happen as far as people being able to connect with other people. Like the world is so interconnected now. Artists have such a better opportunity to be able to grow independently. Mm-hmm. But in the same token, through social media, you have that other other level of toxicity <laughs> where it's just, <laughs> it's just cancerous. Like it's just people posting negative stuff um even on facebook you see stuff on facebook that you should never see (laughs) like you know when you go on facebook and you hit see more and you know it's going to be some messed up shit yeah and you click on it and it's somebody getting run over by a car but then someone says some outlandish thing on facebook and they get banned for like 30 days and i'm like wait what yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, makes no sense lies. oh it's crazy it's crazy i'd love to see the algorithm behind the scenes and see how doors slip through the net <laughs> a lot of that algorithm a lot of that stuff slips through the cracks man <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly so i'd love to hear how the band came to be oh well yeah i mean it was it's interesting um well it's just been a few years now but just through other projects we came to uh to be and we just we had a, we had we've had other members that really hadn't worked out and then the three of us got together and just kind of just ran it uh and and jammed and it really jived and it's kind of like you, you if you're in enough bands you kind of know when something works <laughs> and we were you know we were we were fortunate it's been about three or four years now that we've started to write our own stuff and mm-hmm. um it just really came together organically and i know because i played in other projects that these guys have and it doesn't when it doesn't work it doesn't work mm-hmm. just like anything else and it, it really works here so yeah, just that's kind of, I don't know if any guys want to throw anything else in. Yeah, I came into the fold a little later after the band was established. Um, at that time, the music was slightly different. And it was, uh, the I think it was you, Vince, there was another original member and an, and an original drummer. And then Matt, you had came along mm-hmm. before I did. Yeah. Um, and then it was Vince, Matt, and Dave, who was the previous member in the band. And then I had joined as the fourth member. Um, and then the music started changing slightly. We were like the music started like because uh, me and Matt, uh, we come from other projects and we're more towards that metalcore, heavy metal. You know what I mean, kind oh, of thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it's like the band was almost semi-alternative before we came in, and then it just like the influences started bleeding in, and then you know once our, our member departed, our fourth member departed, then the music started changing again. Because now it was just the three of us, and it's just guitar, bass, and drums. So we were like, we were extra locked in. Yeah. And like, we were really extra locked in. So um, at that point, because of our influences, the music started changing, and it became slightly more heavier, like slightly more alternative, like more atmospheric. And 
I don't know, I guess it's just evolved for the long. We've known each other for now. How long now? It's got to be at least seven or eight years, yeah. right? Yeah, we've kind of been together for like seven or eight years. So it's been great, man. That's something I was dying to ask you guys was when the fourth member left, was there a search for a, a new fourth member? Or was it automatically kind of, okay, we're a tree piece now. We can make this work. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It just it, because of the way you kind of um, interdependently work, I just felt like we just had something. So bringing someone else in would have been just difficult energetically. And just from a personality standpoint, when something works, you know, bringing in another, you know, another energy can be difficult. So we just Mm kind of said, well, I think we can, we can pretty much handle everything. Yeah. Because like, (laughs) you know, we have such a solid chemistry, dude. Like we just know how to compromise. Like no one's ever mad about anything or upset or just like if things don't work out or we don't agree no one gets no one throws a fit you know what i mean like we're really good at compromising we'll we'll say well this might might not work and then the rest of the guys well you know what let's try to meet in the middle let's see if we can find something that works you know i've had guitar parts we've had parts in our instruments that we play that just don't make the cut and we're not upset about it we just care about the song you know what i mean and that chemistry matters because when you introduce a fourth member we just don't know if that's going to be the same dynamic you know what i mean so um but it's interesting because as a three-piece as a guitar player at least um you start playing different you start playing guitar compositions that are kind of how do I say? Almost like you're trying to be two guitar players at the same time. So I'm trying to fill a really big space. And then as of recent, a lot of our songs um, have some atmospheric sounds behind them. So we actually, when we play live, uh, me and Matt, we we play an in-ear monitors to a click. And we run that off a laptop and our laptop just triggers all these ambient atmospheric sounds that we have in our songs that otherwise we couldn't if we didn't have that or if we had another guitar player. So as a three piece, we're kind of compensating a lot. <laughs> yeah. So when you come to the show, you hear you hear the songs as they are. We did try. I, I forgot this. We did have another member. We tried it. It just didn't really didn't work. Out. It didn't work. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, and it just you know, and again, it, it was very short lived to the point <coughs> where I forgot about it. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, it just it it just didn't work. And now with you know our our uh, backtrack and and the help we have. With that, I mean, we just are like, we're fine, uh, especially live. Yeah, you can recreate the full experience. Yeah, Absolutely. Right? You're going to definitely hear everything, and it's triggered with visuals and and, and such and lighting. So it, it's a full show, and we're, we're always excited to put it yeah, that was Yeah, that was our biggest thing, right, is because, like, you hear a lot of these songs on – on the on the records and you hear all these different sounds but as a three-piece if you play them live without any of that it's going to sound so stripped down and so bare bones so we're, we're thinking like you know what i guess we can set up a laptop trigger everything play to a click it is stressful i am not gonna lie it's not fun having a metronome <laughs> in your ear for like 45 minutes to an hour but um it's worth it though because like when when you hear it afterwards you're like oh shoot like this sounds really, really good coming off of really big speakers. <laughs> I often wonder, actually, you made me think of something. I often wonder why bands come up with these, you know, massive concept albums that they can never replicate live, you know, with all these weird sounds that be in them that just ain't possible on a stage. Yeah, you miss it, too. As an audience, when you're in the audience, you're like, if you know it so well, and it's not there. You're like, you miss it. And it just doesn't, it doesn't translate. We, we have experienced that in concerts that we've been to and be like, Ugh, that sucked because it was half of what I, I, I was looking forward to hearing. So now you don't have to worry about that because you're going to hear it as it's, as it's supposed to be. Yeah. I, that, you, know, you know, what was big for me that I know that the, uh, a concert that I went to where I noticed that is when I went to see a perfect circle. Oh, really? Yeah, I went to see a perfect circle. They were great. They were exceptional. Um, but like there was some parts in their backing tracks or something that was so tucked that you could barely hear it. And everything was just like sometimes, man, sometimes it's just your sound engineer. It could just be that. It could be the the venue. It could be a lot yeah. of things. But um, I remember that experience. I was like, wait, what, what, what the hell is that part? What, what happened to that one part that I'm used right. to hearing? You know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> it sucks when you really like that part. Too. Exactly. Yeah. If you're a fan, yeah. bro, you don't hear that. Oh, man, I want my money That's back. That's the whole show ruined for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we, you know, we make 
good. We make friends with the sound engineers. <laughs> we, we live and die by what they do. Big us. shout out to the engineers, man. Be nice to them. Don't be, don't be a prick on stage and yeah. you know, be nice to your, be nice to your peoples, man. That's it. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Now, before we dive into your, your own personal histories when it comes to music and your concert experiences, there's something I came across when I was looking into you guys, and I'd love to hear more about it. I've never seen any other band do this, but you create custom songs for people. Yes, we will. Um, you know, what's interesting is that um, as we've evolved, we've gotten really good at different styles of music. Um just the three of us, because again, I think as, as any musician would say, you you love many styles. So yeah. with that said, we're able to create um, based on demand because we've we've uh, been delving into the sync field as well, sync licensing. So if people were to come to us and say, hey, can you create something based on, you know, this particular mm -hmm. or this particular party idea or concept, we would go and consider it a challenge and come in and, and, and beat the hell out of it. I think that's, it just, it sharpens your chops and we enjoy that aspect and, and just have some diversity because that, you know, I don't know how kiss does it and, or, you know, and ACDC does the same thing over and over again. I don't know how they do it. They, they must have other outlets, but for, for us, I think we kind of have so many different interests musically that this is just a great way to to kind of saturate that yeah it's a, creating it keeps yes. us creating like the whole thing with the sync licensing is that we get presented with these opportunities and they um they'll specifically put links to music or or to already existing songs and then they ask for some kind of replication of that similar to that so when we uh when we listen we sit here uh me and vince well, we will sit here and we'll see we'll try to like create something out of it uh, if they're looking for like a hip-hop beat or if they're looking for uh or some instrumental or orchestrated uh minute and 30 seconds clip of just orchestration or something atmospheric we'll just get in the studio because i me personally i make hip-hop beats you know uh, what i mean like i'm also yeah. like uh i would say quote unquote hip-hop producer because i also work with hip-hop artists in the studio so i have like a, a good experience and grasp of like hip hop music, EDM music and all this other stuff. So we kind of have that like up our sleeve. So when we get presented with these opportunities, we can like sit here in this studio and just like start cooking up. Right. Yeah. We just wrote like an eighties piece uh -huh. for, uh, for a, uh, for a sync opportunity. Yeah. It was, it's a blast, you know, and again, it, it just reinvigorates your creativity, you know, as, as far as I'm, I know. So yeah, if there's a, anybody want, anybody's looking for, <laughs> Something for their wedding. Hell, we'll do. We'll do. We'll, we can. We'll do anything. Really. <laughs> you got, yeah, and we'll try to capture the essence of what you're looking for. Ah, interesting. That's actually fascinating, though, because I've had a couple of sync artists on in the past, and they all said the same thing: that they reckon going forward, more and more normal bands, you know, commercial bands, will start moving towards sync. Absolutely. Um, I think that's the that's the, where the future is. And your diversity is going to help you. Um, because again, the opportunities are, you know, we hear music everywhere. And this is where music is headed uh, for artists. I mean, there's just so much in terms of opportunity uh, to make money passively uh, through sync licensing. So the more you can do, the more you can, you know, set your net, if you will, you know, cast cast your net out there. So we're like I say, we're we're very fortunate that we're we're able to do that. So definitely, definitely. Now let's dive into your own personal music histories. Then, can you remember your earliest musical memories? I I remember mine. Um, my parents bought a house next door to a young couple. Um, he was the editor of a uh, newspaper in the area, uh, music editor, uh, and he was really young. I was. A, five or six years old. And he was, you know, these were very cool people. They were in their early twenties and he pretty much just brought me over. Uh, we had conversations and he lent me his, his, uh, his music, his albums and CDs and such. And I mean, to give it to a kid, <laughs> like, a very brave person, but no, he introduced me to a lot of the classics, um, you know, the who and Rolling Stones and Jimi Hendrix and, and, and that. And, uh, Kind of took me under his wing, let me play around on his piano with his guitar, and that's cool. Uh, that was the coolest thing. And I remember having a little record player, and he, and he he gave me he had vinyl 
which again, so valuable. He's like, no, go ahead. And he, and I brought it home on my little record player and played a giant record on there. And it was, it's kind of really funny. Um, and then the you know, tapes and CDs and all that, he just, it was an open door. So for me, that really kind of, uh, was my first real kind of, um, inception in the, in the music and how, how I knew I loved it at that point. So. Yeah. Yeah. You could almost, I suppose, go as far as saying he's probably a major part of the reason you're a musician. I would say so. Yeah. I mean, he just, he was so knowledgeable and, and again, taking a kid five or six years old and, and kind of talking to him and, and letting and listening to stuff. Cause he'd get, he'd get music early. So we'd listen to it and, and see, he'd ask me like what I liked and what I thought maybe they would release as a, as a single. And it was really cool. Experience. Yeah. He was a music plug for you. Yep. <laughs> Definitely the music plug. Yeah. <laughs> You were you were listening to vinyl when, uh, before it was cool. Yeah, exactly. before the hipsters started buying it. Exactly. Yeah, all yeah. yeah. of it. It was like, oh, I just got this old record player. Yeah, no, he had it. You know, he had it uh, as they as you used to see, like on those walls. You know, just with like bricks between it. You know, just like walls of it. So it was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! And what about the the rest of you guys? Um, for me, it's actually interesting because before I picked up an instrument, I was already kind of tapped in with music, just not the music that everybody was hearing because I grew up playing a lot of video games. So a lot of the music that I knew was from were from games like Final Fantasy, just old games like um, there was even um, I don't know if you guys remember, but like remember when you uh, had the PlayStation, if you had the lit up and not start the, the console, it'll go to the music player. Mm -hmm. So I remember having um, mm -hmm. the Mortal Kombat soundtrack play off of that and the music for that was crazy. Oh, and was I was listening, to, I was listening, yeah, I was listening to all that before new music on the radio and I was a kid at the time. <laughs> so it's like a lot of my inspiration in music comes from like video games. I really didn't start listening to bands like that till, um, till I was much older, I want to say like 12 years old, because um, at, er, uh, at an early age, when I was younger, I want to say like maybe nine or 10, I was taking piano lessons because I was living with my grandfather at the time. And um, he uh, he knew that I had like a little toy piano. And then um, he saw that I had like a fascination with it. So he had me take actual lessons. Um, and then unfortunately, the, uh, the music school ended up shutting down. And then uh, there was no more piano lessons. So um, when I started living with my mom again after she came back, because at the time I was living in Puerto Rico and my parents were in the States. Oh. And um, when they came back, um, you know, she uh, it was one day after school. Um, I get home and I see this guitar just laying in my bed. And my mom is a musician and we had guitars all over the house, but they were acoustic guitars. You know, as a kid, that's boring. Mm. You would look at them, <laughs> you think like that's a boring piece of instrument. Yeah. But the guitar that I saw in my bed looked nothing like this. It was like, what the hell was it? It was a BC Rich Bronze Warlock. That thing looked like oh, it could man. kill people. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was the shit, bro. And the thing is like when I put um when I you know, it's my first time really lo looking and holding an electric guitar. So I wasn't even holding it right. I just, I had it almost like on my lap. Like I was playing it like a lap guitar. And um, I don't know where, where it came from. I know that there was a little amp on the, uh, on the floor and there was a cable and I plugged it in with, I didn't even know, I, I can't even remember how I even did that. Cause I didn't even know how any of that worked, but I turned it on and I'm like, well, this isn't good. This sounds like crap. And it was just like me strumming, no notes, nothing. But then I saw this button on the amp and it said gain boost. <laughs> when I hit that button, man, I, w I knew it was making noise. I knew that much <laughs> crazy noise, loud noise, but that was like it for me. That's when I heard distortion for the first time and it was a rap. And then I started listening to bands like Slayer, Anthrax, Metallica, <laughs> you know, Slipknot, the, the list goes on, bro. Like, and that, that's pretty much how I um, became a musician. I want to actually say Mick Thompson from Slipknot was the one that get me into guitar playing because he had the same model. Oh. in the band and when i saw their disaster pieces dvd i was like oh, we got the same guitar so i started learning every single slipknot song <laughs> yeah. every single one that's a dvd too yeah, it's great dvd great drum solo <laughs> but uh yeah that's how that's how pretty much i came, became a musician i would say it's a pretty cool one all right <laughs> yeah yeah but for me like i i grew up uh early on listening to tons of music because of my mom she listened to all sorts of punk bands like uh, Green Day, The Clash, you know, Sex Pistols, you know, everything, you know, like that genre. And uh, from an early age, she would just bring me to those concerts. 
And I would uh, just, you know, sit there and watch them and just sit quietly and just observe. And then uh, one day I uh, went to a local show around here. In particular, it was a story of the year concert of all, of all things. I don't know why. But I'm just watching everybody like load in and getting ready and like just watching the whole process of everybody loading in, getting ready, like all the, the roadies and, you know, the, the crew and, and then sound check and everything. And I was like, man, I'm, I just want to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and at that point I was already drumming. I was, I was fourth grade. I started taking drum lessons, but the minute I went to that show in particular, that was it. Like I was, this is all I want to do. You know, and that was yeah, mm-hmm. my whole thing. <laughs> That's actually a nice segue into the next question. As a concert goer, what concerts do you think have made you? For me, that one. Yeah. The story of the year concert. It was just the way it felt, the way it just, it was the right time, right place to just hit, you know, different. You know, at the yeah. time, I was a big fan of theirs. Um, and it's just that the, the, the excitement in that uh, club that night was just, I don't know, just had a different feel to it. You know, and that did. And then uh, I would say Warp Tour as well, really. Oh, yeah. yeah that was a real, that'll do her. That, 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 that changed a lot for me. Like my whole mental, thoughts of music and just what a, I don't know, just gave me tunnel vision of just being a musician. Yeah, you know what's crazy? Speaking of tunnel vision, th- th- I don't know if you guys feel this way when you go to a concert and you see a great band. For me, it was when I was living in Puerto Rico, I saw Corn for the first time. That's when I saw Corn. And you ever get that feeling when the concert's so great, all you want to do is go home and just make music or like, oh man, I want to be up there. Like, I got to get my chops up. I got to do this. I got to write that. And you get like so excited. So you're playing your instrument extra, extra because you just saw a great band perform and you saw the whole thing, like stuff like that, man. That's super inspiring. Yeah. When I was, when I was eight years old, I saw Pink Floyd at Yankee Stadium. Which, oh man. Which, yeah. Um, and it was a very large experience for somebody that age. Oh man. Um, and there I saw them again when I was older, but the first show, maybe because you're young and you just doesn't, it, the impact of that show, because it was, it's just, it was so much. And this is why I was, I'm so into like the whole experience, the lighting, the video, because again, watching them, you know, you have a full fledged show coming on. I mean, the music was great, obviously, but just the whole experience, the light changes and and then the, the drops and then the video that goes along with it, it really kind of sit. And I'm like, this is the way it should be. They and sell a whole experience. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> and that's yeah. what we're going. That's what I'm like. Oh, we got to do this whole. It's got to be the whole thing. And again, it, it's arduous, especially when you don't have a crew of 50 helping you. It's just, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's still it's worth it. And when you the, the just it, it just feels good uh, to allow your audience to kind of experience it all. You know, mm. so that was that was the killer for me. Oh man, I think you're probably the first person I've met who have seen Pink Floyd live, especially in their heyday. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, this was a they were kind of you know on their way, <laughs> on their way out at that point. <laughs> but um, we all have our fingers crossed that at some point Dave and and Roger can 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 at least you know consider doing something before one dies, you know, so um, I'm kind of, you know, hopeful. Uh, but yeah, that, 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 yeah, I just, I, it's hard for me to even talk about because it was such a impactful experience. It yeah, was really I could imagine. Yeah. I have to ask, it just popped into my head as an eight year old. I imagine a Pink Floyd concert is, uh, there'd be lots of people on, let's say, mind altering Oh yeah. Martha, how did you take that in? <laughs> well, it was interesting because it was outside because it was at Yankee Stadium. So there was it, I can't imagine. I would imagine the same stuff happens like, you know, in a closed environment as well. Mm. But, oh yeah, you could you definitely could smell it. Um, <laughs> and, and my parents were a little um, you know, let's say hippie-ish. So it wasn't the first time I had smelled that. <laughs> so um, it wasn't that, ex- yeah, but there was, there was a lot of interesting, let's, should we say interesting um, behavior. It's almost like a prerequisite. You got to be tripping balls. If you're trying to, <laughs> if you're trying to really experience this concert, right. you know what I mean? And he, yeah, the, well, it was uh, the guy I went with who Steve, the, the one I was talking about before, he was like, just so you know, things are going to seem, people are going to seem a little weird here. <laughs> Just, you know, just kind of go with it. I'm like, all right. So, I, you know, I guess that was kind of the thing. So it was, uh, 
Yeah, it was definitely interesting <laughs> from <laughs> yeah. that perspective. And then I went again and I'm like, well, then. I like how that's the first thing people think about when they think about Pink Floyd. Well, how, how, <laughs> how, how, how how smacked was everybody in the yeah. concert? Well, yeah. Like, what was the smell in the room like? That's yep. exactly what you would think it was. Immediately. Yeah. Did anybody try to sell you something? Yeah. <laughs> Here, kid, take this. Here yeah. you go. Here you go. Yeah. No, yeah, no, it was, yeah, it was definitely very interesting, but yeah. Um, I was actually imagining that the security guards at the door going in were handing out tabs of acid. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah, you know, here's a here's a little sheet to get you right for the next yeah, hour and a half. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, no. man. And for any listeners then that haven't caught one of your shows, what can they expect? Well, I mean, it kind of that's what that's the template. I mean, when you when you come, we want to give you the whole experience. So you you listen to the see you listen to the the songs. And we want to deliver that to you when you, when mm-hmm. you come to the show. I mean, along with a visual, along with, you know, the light, lighting aspect. I think that's kind of our goal. Man, expect a damn good time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> damn good time. Because the thing is, like, like, you listen to our music and it's pretty deep. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. But us as individuals, we're like, chill, man. Like, we joke around. We're clowns. We'll say some dumb shit on stage we'll joke around like it's a good time we're not like really like mechanical like we have to play all these and be stiff as hell when we're playing these songs we really like interact with our audience and have a good time with everybody yeah because it's just heavy to begin with we don't want to you know our shit's already complicated (laughs) enough you know what i mean we gotta we gotta relax a little bit (laughs) so yeah yeah, that's kind of the exactly and as a band then what gigs do you think have made you hmm well, we played. Well, there was that little tour run that we did. Yeah. Um, it was uh, Vince. You know a little bit more about that because we were doing this tour thing called. It was was it called Groove on the Move or something? It like was. That? Yeah, and we played Philly. We played uh, a place called the Fire, which is interesting to me. Um, in Philadelphia, uh, this is like the the breeding ground for a lot of the artists coming up. John Legend played there for a couple, like like three months. I can't fathom it. I mean, we played this room is like tiny as hell. It was it was cool to be there. Um, you, it was we, a cool club. It was a cool club. Yeah. Yes, very absolutely. very small. Very small. Um, Barely any room to move around. Right. You, not a lot of grooving and moving. And, and <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, actually, um, we've been we're looking to get out again this summer. Um, We've got some some feelers out there for for some great shows, so we're we're excited about that, and that's kind of the 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 whole. Uh, yeah, idea. I I think that little tour. I feel like, in at least in a sense, uh, for me, I feel like it. Like I want, I would say that that period is kind of what made us in a way, because even though there were small shows, it taught us a lot about okay, we need to learn this venue, we need to see how our sound is going to be here um we're moving back and forth you know what i mean and they're and it's the it's that little tour experience of moving driving for hours getting from one place to another you know staying at a hotel bonding with the band we're having a good time so like those little experiences add up and you know what i mean it's like the humble beginnings man like you you play these shows and you you reminisce on those and you remember that so i feel in my case, like that little tour that we did was definitely it. Yeah, and to allow us to kind of get a good feel for our live sound, along with the video, along with the lighting, and really do it in real time in front of an audience is, is a great experience. I mean, now we're we're more confident moving yeah. forward that we can you know present this in the way that we're going that we're envisioning, and that that really helped us. Never underestimate the power of stage plots, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Good Get your state uh, your stage plot on lock for a lot of these venues so you have all the amenities and all the things you need to get your your show going that's actually an interesting answer now because in a while i was going to ask as a band at your level what is it like finding gigs and touring you know because listeners and fans would have this idea in their head but they don't necessarily see behind the scenes oh yeah um we kind of joke about it because it's (laughs) people you know romanticize this a lot of it is 
like if you were going to an insurance seminar, there's an itinerary. So you travel in, you go to the hotel, you go to sound chat, you know, so a lot of that, the, 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 the real sexy part of it is playing the show, but otherwise it's literally really, <laughs> yeah, man, listen there, we, we go to us, we, we nap so much before a show. <laughs> like you would think we're out there partying, going crazy, man, we get there. We're already tired. We take, we're taking a nap. We eat, play the show, get back to the hotel. We're not sightseeing. We're not doing all this other stuff. You're so exhausted by then. Yeah, it's like, you oh, know you've been I mean? in that city? Yeah, I played a show there, so not really. No, I've been to the hotel and the venue. and then <laughs> That seems to be the story with yeah. a lot of bands. Like, I follow a lot of bigger bands that will go on tour, and they're in the tour bus, and half of the time, they're in the tour bus all day long. They're not going around the city, walking around, no. checking out, checking out the latest... Back. They're not going out to get tapas. They're not going out to see the next bagel joint. Like they literally just sleep it off because it's like, you're so exhausted. And I've seen like documentaries of bands that go from city to city that same night. They drive for thousands of miles. You know, it's like, it sounds glamorous, but it's not, (laughs) it's really not. (laughs) But you know, the payoff is playing the show and the payoff is the, interaction from, from mm-hmm. the fans and all that's worth it yeah but a lot of it is just the travel is just is is hellish <laughs> it can be when you get there all of that goes away it's weird you yeah. can be tired all day long once you get to the show you're like you're, it's like a switch flip so it's like yeah. oh you got to get hyped up you got to get in this mode and you got to get like not t- like not tired you just have to there's like this little bit of adrenaline boost that keeps you um but yeah i imagine it's the same for athletes you know professional athletes same thing you know when you're traveling, when you're on the road doing this stuff, you know, there's a, there's a whole itinerary to it. There's a whole, you know, we need you here by this. We need you to do this. We need you to sound check here. We need you to, you know, if we're setting up anything afterward, you know, whatever that happens to be, it's all handed to you in a sheet or in an email. And you just, <laughs> like, just like you were in an insurance seminar, there you are. You do yeah. you know, the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Now we've heard your best gig, the tour. I always say you have to have the good with the bad. So you can use any gig from your entire careers now, even with other bands. But is there a gig you would say is the worst experience you've had? And how did you deal with it? Oh, Matt, you got Matt, one for Matt's this. Got, <laughs> Matt's got the stories, man. Well, you know, being lucky enough to be playing shows since I was like 11, I had a lot of them under my belt and there was a lot of trash shows. I'll tell you, um, you know, but one time I was in a Weezer cover band and, uh, Yes, we were a uh, band called The Groceries. And uh, <laughs> yes, and we, we get to uh, the show. We've played this venue numerous times. Saratoga Winners, we're lucky to be even able to play at all. And um, we play two songs, and about five people in the crowd at the same time start yelling, Enough Weezer. I'm like, well, damn, we got nothing else. <laughs> like, Enough Weezer! We, at the time, we couldn't even just jam something out. We couldn't even improv or anything. You know, I'm like 11. You know? like, but that, that to me was like, I was heartbroken. I was like, I don't know, I can't do this. And I fought through that one. But, uh, you, know, you know, also having band members arrested two, two minutes before you, you go on and before you open for Skid Row. And it's, it's, yeah, that's the one. That, that's the one. Yeah. yeah, that's that's yeah. I played a show with uh, got to open for Skid Row. We co-headlined with them, and uh, a falling out happened with an old guitar player and my uh, current guitar player singer. And uh, yeah, let's just say everything fell to hell within like five minutes of us, us going on. He's getting arrested while we're doing sound check, you know. So <laughs> oh, we ended up, I ended up uh, being the front man for the show, and we just did everything instrumentally. <laughs> you guys still held it down. Yeah, I have that on DVD, the whole show. You had that on DVD? I have that on DVD, yeah. So I had to, like, do all the talking and stuff. And for me, that's, you know, not my normal. I, I play the drums in the back, you know. And so having to stand up after every song, walk up to the mic, and then have to, you know, for the first time ever, and it's at a show with Skid Row, you know, like, <sighs> quite the show for it. So, those are that's two of them. definitely one of the most interesting if not the worst stories i've heard on <laughs> oh yeah, at, yeah. Least I, at least the rest of us got to play that show a little bit yeah, yeah. true true yeah, we got, you know we worked hard for it so i have to ask how long how much longer did that band stay together after that gig that was uh the second to last show i was thinking and the last show that that happened after that was a house party show for a friend that we were already obligated to do so uh, uh, 
So it was the it, just say that's the finale. So. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. No curtain call on that one. <laughs> oh, man. And um, what kind of antics do you guys get up to when you're on tour? Any wild or crazy tour bus stories? Not um God man. Um, <laughs> between the napping and yeah, um, not a lot of sheriff no, stuff. No, I mean no, not really. We're we're kind of pretty tame. You know, we're pretty calm until we go to Atlantic City. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have a show in Atlantic City actually, at, at, in, in, um, for another project we're in. Um, so that tends to be a, a breeding group. That that breeds that anyway. Vegas and AC breed that sort of behavior you know it's crazy because like a lot of the stuff that we do as a band outside of music it's pretty much the wildest that we're gonna get because like <laughs> usually when we're playing or we have shows lined up we're pretty responsible we're not getting trashed or anything like that or being on a hangover and having to play a show we kind of save that from when when we don't have it when we don't have obligations or anything like that off nights you know off nights so like we'll randomly just get together we'll go to uh, atlantic city check out the casinos what uh Take a walk around the boardwalk and then get trashed by the end of the night. <laughs> on, on, on extremely overpriced beverages. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's again, I just don't know how you play fucked up all the time. I don't I don't you know, and you, you then you yeah. see the bands that do and you're like, ooh. Dimebag 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 definitely did it. <laughs> yeah, I've seen Aerosmith, like old Aerosmith videos. Oh God, I'm sure they don't want them in rotation. Some are you know, and it's just yeah so again he's right we're we're super responsible um when it comes to actually our our craft and then you know you kind of let go every once in a while i think maybe it's a a generational thing nowadays because nearly i'd say 90 percent of bands i speak to always seem very sensible and responsible when they're gigging yeah yeah I I just think there's just too much to lose, you know. There is, and you know, most of us are like within our thirties, so it's like our body feels that the next day. <laughs> anything that we do or any abuse of anything will feel the next day. So if you have something going on and then or or show to play the next day and you feel like trash, like that's that's like one like I got I can't think of a more uncomfortable situation than to have a hangover and a headache or anything like that. And there's this music coming out of the speakers loud as hell. <laughs> or, or if you haven't slept and you have to sing like outrageous notes. <laughs> yeah. If, I, if I'm not rested, I don't think I can hit certain things. No, there there's a uh in one of our songs, Chase the Ghost, Vince, uh he he sings out like a high B note. That is like it's it's the one note that you kind of have to brace yourself for. Yeah. <laughs> it's like wind up for it. Yeah, if I'm tired. I'm, if you messed I'm up, do it. Yeah, so I you know so that's, that's something I think about too. You know, so if you're you know you just gonna make sure you're rested to be able to perform well. People are paying and people are invested in what you're doing. I think it's it's worth worth it to be stay hydrated. Your best. Yeah, stay hydrated. stay hydrated. Give your best. <laughs> Definitely. And once you guys wake up from your nap. What's your pre-show and post-show ritual? You know, how do you psych yourself up and then how do you wind down afterwards? Steaks. <laughs> Steaks. Well, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, usually, Jesus, we'll just go get a, we'll get a meal, uh, kind of get our heads straight, uh, get to the venue early enough to kind of, you know, experience if there's other, if there's other acts. And once you're in it, you kind of, it doesn't take much once you're kind of in it. Um, to feel inspired to go out there. And then afterwards, you know, uh, whether just going to chill, maybe just a couple of beverages and if that, and our ritual yes. our ritual is so laid back it's not like we huddle up and hype each other off like go 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 or anything <laughs> like that you know what i mean like i've seen bands do that and it, it's, it's 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 cool i love i love that because you, you're psyching yourself up but for us we're so laid back we're just like okay we're ready let's go and then we're just like a lot of us are just like literally sometimes we've eaten we're, we're pretty much ready to go. We're in the hotel room and we're just pacing, yeah. <laughs> waiting <laughs> to <sure>. leave. <laughs> yeah. And again, you just, you know, there's a little anxiety to make sure if we haven't played a venue before to make sure we're, our sound, is everything going to work right? Mm -hmm. The sound and the video and all that, is this all going to, you know, mm -hmm. so there's always that little thing going mm -hmm. on, like making sure that everything's going to work. And, you know, there's always that a little beforehand. But once we're in it, mm -hmm. then, you know, 
That's I, I feel like that's always going to be a thing, at least for me. I'm always going to have those butterflies, no matter how many times we do this. Is everything going to go well? Because <laughs> there was the one instance where I uh, we played with Click, like I said before. And one time I went off, completely off. And once we're off that click, like we're so like, we're trying to, okay, I'm taking these headphones off. We got to find out where we're at. Like, where's the pocket at? You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, there's always that fear of like, am I going to perform well today? Like, am I going to be able to kind of block certain things out and focus on the music while still be able to entertain our audience? Are we going to be able to, you know, our mood that day or whatever the case may be. So there's always that little bit of uh, anxiety and those little butterflies. But once we're up there, we kind of forget about it. I've heard it said before that if you're going on stage and you don't have that feeling, then it's time to worry. Yeah, or it's time to retire. Yeah, I mean, if you're not invested anymore in it. And there's nothing more. I saw uh, Crosby, Stills & Nash's last performance. They played at the some Christmas event for Barack Obama. So this was like, you know, 2016 or 2015, whatever it was. And they weren't invested at all. They sang Silent Night um, and it was off and you could just see at that point. And, and it was as a great of an act as they were, they just were, they were cashed out. You know, they, it was, it was a huge obligatory thing. They had no energy. I never want to get to that point, you know, and that's, yeah. that's kind of like, you, you got to, Check yourself, you know, yeah. are, you, are you in, you know, are you going to give it out? You know, you got to, you're going to put it out there. You really got to sell this shit because even if you're having an off day, there, even like there's even times like I've had like an off day all day or I'm not feeling well. For some reason that goes away the second you're on stage because now you have to, you know, you, you have to present an act. You have to really actor. sell this and, and kind of interact with your people. So it's like, um, when 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 that stops happening then you you've seen it there's tons of bands that have been doing this for years and you see the level of like the integrity of the performance just go down and mm. down and down <clears throat> to the point that they're like not even caring about their pitch yeah you, you know what i mean they're not caring about anything sometimes guitars will be out of tune or something like that yeah, they, yeah. it's like they're done it's over <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's kind of sad to see it at that stage and how do you guys measure success? That's a good one. Yeah, that's a great one. I think we've been lucky. I feel like on What Lies Beneath, we, each song we wrote seemed to be more concise and better in my mind on, on many levels um, than the one prior. So I know a lot of bands uh, write a lot of songs and there's like, okay, well, we got 19. Let's pick our best, you know, eight we don't operate that way. Basically, what you what you heard from us is everything we've written. So yeah, <laughs> we don't. You know, there's no like, oh, we, that's no good. We'll throw it out. We are we're real blessed in that in that mm-hmm. regard. So. I think in terms of success, I don't really think monetarily too much. You know yeah. what I mean with uh, with success. I don't really think too much about the whole monetary thing or even the fame. It's just like, are we making the music that we love and enjoy listening to? You know what I mean? Like, are we evolving as artists? Because everything else, to me, at least, is secondary. Like, if everything pans out and we have, you know, we 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 we, we do this like, and you know, because it's hard now in the industry to really monetize music now more than ever, or, yeah. or even to acquire fan bases just because of how. You know what I mean? Especially if you're signed, you know, but um, in our case, like it's I don't really measure it that way. I just measure it as long as the band is healthy, the chemistry is good. We're still writing the same uh, music that we enjoy making. Then that's a huge win for me. Yeah. And for me, success is always about how people are being affected by it. You know, if, if it's helping, you know, do we do we feel like people are getting inspired and turned on by it? Are we are we hearing good feedback? Um you know, are people responding? That's always really, really a good measure. Not a personal success, but are we on the right track musically as far as the impact we're looking to make? Um, I, I've always looked at it that way. And yeah, and, and you know, the, uh, the idea now that we can evolve to play different styles, you know, whether it be a custom song or a sync license, there's a lot of the great thing, as we talked about, it's hard to monetize, but there's a, so many opportunities to make money in the industry if you're smart. And, you know, you're yeah. a little clever about things you can, and there's a lot of ways. And, you know, for anybody else out there that's doing the same thing, there's a lot of ways to make a living doing this. Mm-hmm. So, for sure. 
we we understand that and we're you know we're just we like to be a little clever and creative about how we go about doing that <laughs> yeah i love them answers though it's uh it just goes to show that you truly care about the music you know you're doing it for the right reasons absolutely um i would say more than anything we we are really bonded in the idea of what we want to present to the audience and, and the the concept of relation and the other projects we have, we are involved with to make sure that we're being as authentic as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And before we dive into the last couple of questions, what are your future plans? What's locked in for you? We have a, uh, some new stuff coming out. Like it's not, there's no like set release date or anything, but we do have a few songs like, Oh, we'll have an EP. I would say here probably by, yeah, by, by mid, mid April. Yeah, yeah. We're we're close. Um, we've already, we've settled on a name for the new release will be called reveal. And we've already got, uh, almost four songs done for it. So yeah, we feel like, you know, by mid, mid April, we should have uh, the product out there. We're excited about that. Um, sound like six or seven songs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, expect something different too. Like some songs are a little bit different than um what we have from what lies beneath. It's still us, you know what I mean? We just got a little extra creative on some songs, but uh it's gonna be great. Yeah. Sounds exciting though. I'm looking forward to hearing that, especially just to see how different it is. Yeah, you're always gonna we're always gonna pull you in with the hook, I guess. That's kind of always our thing. But we got we get a little more a uh, proggy, I'd say. Yeah. yeah, we get a little more mm-hmm. proggy on this yeah. one, yeah. Yeah, so a little, a little, a little more interesting with some stuff. Ah, great, great, right? We'll uh, we'll dive into the last couple of questions. Everybody gets these, I'm afraid, so you can't get off the podcast till you answer. <laughs> if, gotcha. uh, if you could see any performer from history in concert for one night only, who would it be? Oof. That's a tough one. Um, for one night only. And rock stars. Let's think of those. <laughs> um, I would, you know, I wanted to see Prince a few times. He was supposed to come up to New York State, and I never bought tickets early or like lined up for him or whatever. And I did twice, and he canceled twice. So I, it, oh. it would be great to see Prince um, in his heyday. I was, I was a kid back then, but um, that would have been great to be able to experience how he presents a show. Cause what I've seen is just incredible. Like I, I said, it, you know, the experience of it, the, the dancing and the lighting and, and the video and all that, that work that went along with it would have been incredible. So yeah, definitely one of the ultimates. Yes. I would say, I mean, they're still playing around, but I would say uh, Metallica. I've never been to a Metallica concert really? in my entire really? life. Mm. not once you know what oh, i mean and I, and I watch a lot of their performances like even from the 80s when i wasn't even around i didn't even exist um <laughs> but I'll, I'll watch their performances bro from like back in the day and like ah, these guys were really really great <laughs> like they were really really good and i don't know like i i, w- I would like to see them live for sure that that, they, that would be a band because that they sell a whole show like their yes. shows are massive they're not I can't imagine the budget for these shows, man. <laughs> That's why tickets are the prices that they are for these shows, man. Like, yeah, so. yeah, exactly. I actually seen them back in 2019. They came over here to Ireland and played a, a place called Slaying Castle. It's like one oh, of the wow. best uh, rock oh. venues in Europe. It was, I don't think anything could ever top it. Jesus. Wow. That's that must have been, a, yeah, that must have been a vibe, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll never forget it. For, for me, though, I would say uh, 90s Pantera. I was going to say Pantera. Really? For me, that's something if I could go back, that's right where I'd be for music, like a show I have not seen or, you know, that's if I could pick anywhere, that's an instant answer for me. Mm-hmm. Like time machine, I'll hit that button right away. Like vulgar <laughs> display. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah like, yeah. I mean, I want to be like front club. like fucking Man, I'm such a huge fan of the 80s. If I, I always think like, I'm I'm almost like kind of fake jealous of people that have lived around that time and got to experience that <laughs> because it's like I'm a '90s kid, so you know, um, when you see the shows and the level of musicianship that these bands had, like when solos were like a huge thing. I mean, they are now, but um, mm. but it's like the whole idea of like the '80s, bright like bright colors, bright guitars, a lot of lights, weird weird attires, like weird outfits, but. It would have been nice for sure. 
Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Some pretty cool concerts mentioned there. And this one now is an interesting one. If you had to spend 24 hours locked inside a room with any musician from history, who would it be? Steve I. Quick answer. <laughs> for sure. Steve I. If I could be in a room with him for 24 hours, you know the amount of knowledge I would absorb from this guy? The, just the, the, all, the, all the game that I could ask him about, like, oh, like, how did you, because he's a solo guitar player. He's a Grammy award winning guitar player. Mm. And he has his band and he's like super successful. His shows are great. If I could be in a room with him, he's, 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 he's one of my biggest guitar inspirations. Why up do as I want to say like 70s Stevie Nicks? That's, that's my answer. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. That's my answer. Bye. I like us. I like us. <laughs> 70 Stevie Nicks. Woo. See, for me, it would be Thomas Lang. Like, if I could sit and learn from him, like, I couldn't imagine the the amount you could learn from him, you know, in the in that amount of time. You know, it would just be super beneficial as a drummer. Yeah. Um, you think 24 hours, that's more than enough time to talk about anything music or just even go out and have drinks with them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's going to be a whole but vibe. If you just, if <laughs> I sat there, we just strictly did, like, drums. Like, I couldn't imagine in a 24-hour period of, you know, not being like a beginner, you know, but like, you know, beginner yeah. of time, but you know, like somebody knows yeah, has a little bit of something going on, you know, and they could, how much you could learn from a, a pro like him, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Just 24 hours. It's, it's crazy. I had one hour with Matt Halpern and I learned my ghost notes enhanced by like, <laughs> and in like uh, a month. shout out to Matt Halpern yeah. from periphery, exceptional drummer. And the last one. So, what song would appear on the soundtrack to your life? Oof. Oh, geez. I don't know. I have to think. Hello, darkness. My... I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> God, that's a good question because it really gets your brain going. Oh, the soundtrack of my life. Oh, it's hard. That's a hard one. We got to answer it. We can't leave until we answer that. <laughs> yeah. We'll still be here next week. <laughs> um, shoot, that's a really good one. I would... As long as it's not Isabella, I think it'll be all right. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> um, uh, I think there is um, a song by Periphery that's called um, It's Only Smiles. And I think the reason why I like that song is because it speaks about loss of a loved one. I'm pretty sure that what the song is. And, you know, like, um, it's one of those songs that hit me because I've lost people in my life. And um, it kind of like, it, it kind of helped, like, I don't know how to explain it. It's like after listening to, to it, you kind of mourn a little bit, but it's not like a sad mourn. It's like, you know, it's a, almost like a reminiscing kind of thing. So mm -hmm. I feel like when a song kind of triggers, like, a train of thought in your head and you kind of think a little bit more when you listen to a song which i would hope that's the effect that we would have on people but um that song um i would feel like it would be suitable because it talks about like just the struggle of loss the struggle of moving on which is like relatable to anybody yeah um but it's a beautiful song like it's in my my opinion out of that record that they dropped um periphery three um that was the one song that spoke to me the most. I, I could confidently say that could be the soundtrack. Yeah, has to be that one. So <laughs> I, I'm I'm still cycling through. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I would say for me, just because of my past experiences with people, um, uh, especially in music and bands and stuff like uh, negative people, mm -hmm. I would say uh, "Time of Your Life, Good Riddance." You know, by uh, uh -huh. Yeah, because like, honestly, you know, at the time I was devastated losing those people. But now in hindsight, it's like I, I am where I am today and I wouldn't trade it for anything. So Vince, you got to give us one happy song, bro. <laughs> oh, this is to getting... be honest, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I was like, damn, these guys. Well, because actually I was going to say Alan Parsons, I wouldn't want to be like you, but That's I'm not going to. Yeah, because, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I feel like um, for me, any song that kind of encaptures transcendence um, would be. The one. Um, I'm just coming, trying to. I'm coming up short. Though I will say the Alan Parsons project, though that that particular songs or even games people play, um, because 
there's a lot of, and it's not like it's unhappy. It's just more kind of directive as far as what happens. I mean, you have to be, people have agenda and people have their own thoughts. And, and the more that you understand what people are looking for, the better off, the better you'll be in, in interacting with them. So something like that for sure uh, has gotten me through. I'm, I'm a big psychology fan and psychology uh, believer. So I always believe that the more you understand about what people's thoughts and desires are, the better off you're going to be in, in transversing this world. So I'm going to go with that. Good choice. Good by choice. Imagine the soundtrack of your life would be Bodies by Drowning Pool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that if I said that. I was like, well, we know the life he's living. Right. <laughs> going, going crazy in the streets. Just hitting <laughs> people with shovels and stuff. I don't condone violence. It's a joke. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. Right, guys. Thanks a million. It's been an absolute blast now. I've loved getting an insight into your music. Thank you. Thank you so much. We We appreciate appreciate you, brother. Thanks for having us. Hey, everyone. I'm Laura. And I'm Jill. And we are the hosts of Crime Divers Podcast. We are Scottish sisters who tell each other true crime cases that other hasn't heard of. New episodes are released every Tuesday and you can find us on your favourite podcast platform. So what are you waiting for? Grab your wetsuit and join us as we dive into the world of true crime. But remember, watch watch out for those sharks. Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. And if you're interested in signing up the Band Builder Academy, use the link in the show notes below and enter the code CONCERTS and you'll receive 10% off. So, until next time, keep rocking. Hey, hey, what are you guys still doing here? The show is over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.